taste of soft palate. Good. Use the air on the breath. Project forward. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode four of Meryl Streep in the Movies with Zachary Scott Johnson and Meryl McNally. I'm Zachary Scott Johnson. As you might have surmised, based upon the opening music and the title of this episode, we've shifted our plans and have delayed our episode on She-Devil for a couple of reasons. We'll get to it, I promise, but for today we're talking about Meryl's most recent Oscar-nominated performance in this year's Florence Foster Jenkins. We also touch on some more award season topics and do a quick review of another award season contender this year, La La Land. As always, please subscribe to rate and review this podcast on iTunes. I promise you that helps us. You can find me online on most social media outlets under my name, Zachary Scott Johnson. I invite you to check out my YouTube project, The Song A Day Project, as well. It's all one word, The Song A Day Project. Meryl McNally's got a wonderful theater company in Roswell, New Mexico, called the Neverland Theater Company. You can find it at www.neverlandtheatercompany.org. In this case, theater ends with R-E rather than E-R. You can also like them on Facebook. Enjoy today's episode. I remember thinking how great it was comedically. And this yes. time I was kind of struck by, actually, I, I felt a very different way about it. I felt like it was very, I felt kind of sentimental about it in a weird way. And I felt mm-hmm. like attached to her. And I, I didn't find it as funny. I found it a little bit um, sadder. I, you know, it's still a comedy. There's no question that's a comedy. But um, it has those it has those moments where it's, um, maybe in that dramedy, you know, <laughs> category. Oh, I that think so. It's, you know, kind of, and actually kind of what you were talking about before with uh, not being what it expected. It, it's almost a question, and there are hundreds of movies that this has been the case for where it's marketed a certain way in, in a trailer, mm-hmm. and the film itself is, um, I don't oh, know. It's so much more. Yeah. It, it, the trailer was pretty superficial. It kind of gave us that, like, she's a bad singer. Listen to this bad lady sing, right? Yeah, and, how um, funny. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, it's not really bad. I mean, it, it is in moments, of course. But it's, it's, it's a real story, and it's a real performance, and it's a real person. And I think that's why. Yeah, it has getting... layers. It's not a caricature at all. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I had moments... Um, I, I, my reaction to it, I think, was your second reaction to it. I found it very, um, very tender and very, you know, tugged at my heartstrings. There Mm -hmm. were a couple, there were a handful of comedic moments, though, where I didn't even expect myself to laugh, and I found found myself, um, like letting loose this guttural laugh, I was laughing so hard. Really, <laughs> it, it happened. It happened about twice in the film where I just couldn't, I couldn't control it. And I just like guffawed. Yeah. Um, the the main one was when she first starts to sing, and the look on, um, uh, it's Simon Helberg is the actor's name. The look on his face is so so priceless. I just died. He kind of gets the the big laugh moments actually. He, he I mean, Meryl's the one performing them, but like you say, it's actually the reactions are the, not funnier, but they're kind of the thing that we're supposed to react based off of his reaction instead right, of... Right, because we are him. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, which yeah. I, think I, I think I told the story in our very first episode when we just talked about um, Meryl in general that uh, when I moved to Arizona years ago. I don't live there anymore. But when I first moved there, um, a theater that I had worked with and for in my hometown called me. I mean, I had been there for a few days. And they called me and, you know, offered me a very nice uh, paying job in this play, which is a play called Glorious, um, playing that part. Um, And 
because they did a stage version of it, and they needed an actor who could play the piano too, which is something that I do. And uh, so they offered me that mm-hmm. role, which is which is always oh. weird when you're being offered a role that you didn't audition for, you know? Um, yeah. And especially a really good role. But um, I, I had to turn it down. I really, I hemmed and hawed for a long oh. time, but I had to turn it down. I had just moved to Arizona. It would have been, it, it, it just wasn't going to work. But um, right. so it's kind of, for me, it was interesting that a couple years later then they, they turned it into a movie with my very favorite actress in the whole world. Um, but yeah. it's his, that character is, is very interesting. Actually, all three of the main characters are really interesting. Um, I was really struck by Hugh Grant's performance this time, too. You know, I was, too. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. Yeah, and I had heard that. I, I had heard that that this performance in particular was was good, and he he himself has you know made jokes about <laughs> you know the quality of the script helping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Compared to his usual projects, but um, it was it was a very um, it was a very sweet performance. Mm-hmm. I'm and not sure actually, that's the right word, but go ahead. Yeah, he actually has more screen time than Merrill in this movie. Um, somebody went through. It's really interesting. I, I should look to see if I can bring it up here. Somebody wrote down, I'm just assuming this is correct, but uh-huh. somebody wrote down on, on this thing how much the screen time of, of the three main actors and Hugh Grant is in the film for an hour and two minutes and 38 seconds. I mean, that's really specific. Oh, wow. <laughs> Meryl Streep is 59 minutes and 14 seconds. So roughly three minutes more wow. Hugh Grant is in than Meryl and then Simon Helberg is in 32 minutes and 57 seconds, which sounds kind of low to me. It seems like he's in a lot of the movie, too, but that's like less than half of the movie. Um, yeah. So maybe that makes sense. I don't know. Hmm. But um, so he is, interestingly, according to this, which it's just on the internet, so it could be wrong, but Hugh Grant is maybe in the movie more than, than Meryl Streep is. And what's interesting yeah. maybe about that is that she was, of course, positioned as lead actress in all the awards Stuff. And he was positioned as supporting actor when, in fact, one could argue that it might be a leading role, you know? Yeah. Um, it ended yeah. up not being – he didn't get nominated in supporting anyway, so it kind of doesn't matter, at least in the Oscars. But um, Right. Anyway, so it's it's a three-hander, so. this piece. Yeah. Oh, it really is. I mean, they each carry – they absolutely carry their weight. You know yeah. what we should do, and and we we intend to do this on on every podcast we do is sort of give people who haven't seen Florence Foster Jenkins a little bit of a rundown. Yeah, you want to um, do that? You're good at this. You're better sure. at this than I am. <laughs> so Florence Foster Jenkins uh, um, was a real person, and she was a wealthy heiress from from New from New York, right? New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, she she was a music lover and did a great deal for um, music in in New York City. And um, she decided towards the latter part of her life that she wanted to be uh, a singer, a professional singer, opera singer. So she took vocal lessons, trained, and she ended up renting out and holding a concert at Carnegie Hall, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Was it Carnegie? Very famously. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. And um, she's she's a truly terrible singer. The funny thing is, is is she was hugely popular because of it. And yeah. her her husband was a, a British socialite who who did his best to support her in those endeavors. So, and there are recordings. If anybody wants to go listen to Florence Foster Jenkins, just Google her, and you'll you'll hear her. She's <laughs> pretty awful <laughs> yeah she um it, it, i watched a lot of interviews with meryl about this movie and mm-hmm. one of the things that she said was you know anybody who is has gone through theater school or music school knows florence monster jenkins you know this is it's a very famous story and that's absolutely true right. her music was played yeah. in my musical history classes she's it's kind of an iconic thing because of the circumstances which is that she was famously dubbed the worst singer in the world, but there's a very real chance that she didn't know that until very, very late in her life when it was kind of, you know, right. where she found out based on some bad reviews that, you know, she managed to get, even though people were trying to keep them away from her. Um, she had been 
people loved her so much, including her husband. Actually, that's kind of one of the main questions I think of the movie is, do you find Hugh Grant's character, her husband, mm-hmm. um, who you know throughout the whole thing also has a has a mistress. So you know mm-hmm. he puts her to bed, and then he leaves and he goes to his apartment, which she pays for, and you know carries on with his mistress, which he claims in the film you know, that, that Florence knows about, but they don't really talk about it, but it's understood. Right. So, which may or may not be true, but so my question, I've gotten off base here, but the question um, is, you know, does that character love her? Is he sincerely, you know, looking out for her best interest or is his best interest keeping her happy so that he, you know, does he benefit from her connections and her, um, her well-to-do, you know, good fortunes. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the film walks that line. Um, I think it explores that because, at least my initial initial reaction, I think they reveal to you the this information that he's got a mistress, and your first instinct is, um, oh, he you not know, a nice guy. Yeah, but you know what I think when he puts her to bed, everyone should know that the character is is ill, and and you find out why later what what's <laughs> wrong with her and the nature of their relationship because of it. But you know when he puts her to bed, it's with such tenderness, and I think that was very purposeful because okay. I I felt the sincerity of that, and then he, it was too. sort of shocking for him to leave and turn around and go to an apartment with the mistress. And it automatically, you know, put a question mark in my head. Um, I didn't, I, I, I didn't sort of, I didn't feel like that reveal negated what had happened in the scene before. It just created more questions for me, which they ultimately answered. Right. In the film, they portray him as somebody who really, truly loved her, and they had uh-huh. a very unusual relationship. Um, I read an interview of Hugh Grant where he said he thought in real life, you know, they were probably actually quite egomaniac- <laughs> egomaniacal, both of them, and probably a little less pleasant than the film <laughs> than the film portrays them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of wondered, too, because very early in the film, actually, it might be the very first scene, it's certainly the first scene that she's introduced in. She she gets to make a nice entrance lowered on this flying. <laughs> so funny. In, the, in these tableaus, but he in the beginning they kind of let this go after a couple after a couple scenes. But he would sometimes perform at charity functions where you know she and her various groups would raise money for different arts organizations and you know the symphony and the opera companies and whatever. Um, where he would perform monologues. He was an actor, or a fancied himself an actor. And, and um, so he would perform monologues, and then when she gets the idea to perform a concert, he says, well, maybe I'll perform the monologue. And she just kind of gives him a look, and he says, or oh, maybe not. And so that kind of thing, too, which is kind of part of that original question that I had about, you know, was he getting something besides, um, was he getting something out of this relationship in terms of, like, success? Was yeah. he... Um, I, I felt like that was kind of an interesting angle that, like I say, was kind of discarded shortly into the film. It, it might have been interesting to go into that a little bit. Um, but it's also implied that he wasn't really a good actor. I mean, not at least a great actor. So, um, you know, she, she says something. It's very interesting because he is so protective of, of her. You know, he hides all right. these reviews. And then there's a scene where she talks about protecting him and the bad reviews that he got when he was an actor. So it's it's interesting because um I don't remember that. When did oh, that she happen? The scene I just where it yesterday and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie when she shows up at her pianist's apartment and she starts washing his dishes. Oh. Yes. She talks about it then about she had to maybe maybe she doesn't say that she hid the reviews, but she says something along the lines of she had to, um, uh, I can't remember the phrasing of it, but something along the lines that she had yeah. to, like, you know, coach him and, and convince him that it was just, you know, a one person's opinion and, and all of that, where you don't let a bad review get you down. But she did say something about kind of protecting him from, from bad reviews that he had gotten, too. So, yeah. That's a lovely scene. 
It is, yeah. That's a great scene. I mean, every scene with Meryl Streep is lovely. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. I think I think that was something – so this was part of my preconceived notion going in as well. Um, Meryl Streep has done a lot of character acting in the last, you know, five, ten years. She takes on very distinct characters, whether historical, you know, figures or, or you know, fictional. And um, something about – I mean, she's always great, so I don't know why I went into it thinking it was just going to be the same old, same old. Because, um, you know, from the first scene she ends up on stage, she's so compelling. Mm-hmm. And I – for anyone who can sing, it is so difficult to make it sound like you can't. Yes. Yes. Because you go too far in the bad direction, and then you just sound like you're off-key on purpose, right? right. Yep. Meryl Streep's, Meryl Streep's performance is really phenomenal in that she truly sounds like she cannot sing a note. Right, which we know that she can because she's done it she in you know, many, many other movies. Actually, I completely agree with you on that. And again, in um, some of the interviews, people were saying things like, you know, was it was it hard for you to do that? And she would always kind of brush that off and say, oh, it wasn't hard at all. It was actually, she would kind of make a joke about it and say it was actually really easy, kind of implying that. I feel like that's just that a lie. <laughs> I do too. And it also is... Um, like you say, it's something that people who aren't singers probably have no idea how hard that is to do. If you have a sense of pitch, because the way her singing is bad is not that it's so crazily off pitch. Most of the time, it's within like half a, it's like a semitone off or a, or a half tone off. Right. So it's, it's that close that it's almost worse than it being way off. It gets that like yes. just so close, and it, I know it sounds weird, it's to so painful. but that's really true. Yeah, and um, that, like you say, that takes extreme talent to be able to do that and have it not be. I, I honestly don't think I could do that on purpose. I don't know how no. I would recalibrate it in my head to do that. It would yeah, be no, very I don't know how she did it. Yeah. You know what? I just came full circle and realized why I was expecting something less than what I received in that film. It's because of the Oscars. Isn't that so funny? I didn't even realize I had this preconceived notion. You know, she gets nominated all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, without fail. And I, I think it's almost become a running joke at this point. And when I heard she got the nomination, I think I kind of got it into my head that, oh, it was, it's just the standard nomination that she always gets? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Um, yeah, I'm going to quit quit digging my hole. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, bottom line, she's brilliant in the movie, and I highly yeah. recommend it to anybody. Yeah, it's, it's really good. One of the things um, that struck me as really another of my favorites, actually, I don't know if we should give away the ending, with a lot of a lot of her movies, um, you know, there's been a passing of time where you're where I kind of feel like okay, for Out of Africa, for instance, which we just did, mm-hmm. you know, it, it came out in 1985. So if you haven't seen it since then, I was, you know, it, it's kind of on you. Um, but this <laughs> one is so new that I know that there are people who oh, I want to see that that they just haven't gotten around to it yet. Right. But, um, let's just say I'll, I'll leave out the reason, but at the end, you get to hear her sing a song, basically the way she's always heard it in her, herself in her head. So in other words, yes. it, it's very beautiful. It's, it's a very striking scene because, again, they let Meryl Streep sing this beautiful song, and she sings it well because it's that idea of this is how Florence Foster Jenkins has always thought that she sounded, and um, that's not the case. But um, going back to what we were just talking about, you know, Meryl said that with these arias that she had to learn, the way she approached them was she she learned them as best she could. So she tried to, you know, sing them well first and then went back and tried to sing them bad. So she she got Audrey McDonald, um, gave her 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 voice teacher to use, and she studied. I don't know who that is, but she got Audrey McDonald's voice teacher, worked with her for a while to to learn these arias. 
and um, you know, sing them well, and then she went back and and <laughs> tried to tried to do them oh, not wow. well. So go through that process. You know, that's that's going to the extent of you know, and it's kind of sad that we'll never get to hear probably the the good versions because they're probably right. Good, you know, maybe on the DVD special features. <laughs> I don't you think be so. so lucky. Yeah, I doubt it. The, the other thing that they did um, was. The director had her and uh, the pianist. I what is his name? Simon something. Simon Helberg. And he's from The Big Bang Theory, right? That that TV show. Yes, and he is actually an honest to god pianist. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, concert level pianist. Yeah. Was that for the movie, or was he already was he already a good pianist? No, he already was. I when they went to cast. Um, um, they they knew they had to have somebody who could right. really play because of the camera work Stephen Frears wanted to do and also because, I mean, you're accompanying somebody who can't sing. And, um, and I mean, a casting director almost, I think, automatically recommended Simon Helberg. Okay. I think he went, he went to Tisch, and I think he studied music and, and theater. And um yeah, he said he said it was the hardest thing he's ever done because he had to he had to stay with her and she would right. go so far off the reservation singing yep. these songs badly that he would have to like keep up and and um he he obviously said the same thing. He just praised her up and down for how difficult it, it is to sing that badly on purpose. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never seen The Big Bang Theory, but I thought he was really good. I don't think I'd ever seen him in anything, actually. It, there might be something that I'm forgetting, but I've never seen The Big Bang Theory. And um, I haven't I either. But he was really good. And you could tell. I knew that he was not faking the piano. You can tell that he's not faking the piano, that that was, that was really him playing. The thing that I was going to say is the director, Stephen Frears, who also did, you know, many, many wonderful films in the last few years. He did Philomena, he did The Queen, Mrs. Henderson Presents. He really has found a niche kind of working, uh, kind of directing um, great actresses like Helen Mirren and, and Meryl Streep and Judy Dench, you know, and really yes. great roles. That's kind of clearly where he has found his his best work, at least in the last 15 years or so. But they recorded those songs in a recording studio ahead of time. And then when they went to to dub them, which is the way that it normally works, um, you know, and then they mm-hmm. lip sync to it and, and fake it. They said it wasn't working, so they redid it and they just did all that stuff live, which is not the way it normally goes. But it kind of, yeah. you could tell it was live. It needed to be live. And, you know, it can go very badly, like in Les Mis. <laughs> yeah, which I, I still haven't seen that one, but. Oh, it's pretty rough. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's probably, it's, Usually a good idea, but in a situation where somebody's actually supposed to sound bad, <laughs> it can't really matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, well so then I of... I applaud the sound department yeah. on that film then because it was it was really beautifully done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it actually has something in common. We've been talking in the last couple episodes about um, you know that the Oscar and the awards season mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I, I, I did go to see La La Land the other day. Did, have you seen it yes, yet? I know me you too. were thinking of it. I did. And um, that I was saw the, it. that was the thing that I was most well, not most struck by. To tell you, I don't know. We, do we want to talk about La La Land? I mean, sure. we're kind of talking about Let's awards stuff, but um, yeah, what did you think of it? Uh, you know what? I was I was on the fence until. Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling started to share screen time. And I think that's because they have really magnificent chemistry. And after that, I got on board. And I think it's a beautiful film. It's very striking visually. Yes. It's difficult for me as a lover of, of Broadway and the Broadway sound to continually deal with Hollywood's aversion to the Broadway voice. Interesting. Um, I, you I know, have a that thought on opening, that, but I don't want to cut you off. 
Yeah, that opening number, it's supposed to be sort of this big opening number, and the the cast is like whisper singing? <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. even know what you call it's it. Very, it's I, very I, pop. It's very pop. Yes, and it's very anticlimactic, and I couldn't, I couldn't really get on board. That being said, I, I wasn't distracted or didn't dislike Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone's voice. I actually saw Emma Stone in Cabaret on oh, Broadway, yeah? and that's that's her sound. She sounded like that there as well, and um, she was fantastic in it. She was really, she was really phenomenal because she's a fantastic actress. I agree. Um, I think she's really yeah. special, actually. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I do too. So, what are your thoughts? Um, it's interesting because some of the things that you say, I feel exactly the same way about, and some of the things uh-huh. I feel exactly the opposite about. To tell you the truth, Ooh, do tell. To tell you the truth, one of the things that I um, liked most about this movie was that it didn't have big voices. It it struck me in that same way. Now, it's also, now you're a lover of musical theater. I'm yes. not so much. I, I can cope okay. because there are certain shows that I like a lot, but I don't love the big Broadway voice. And so when there's something like this, it reminded me of Moulin Rouge, to tell you the truth, where there was like, you know, Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor singing in right. what were what were really nice voices but weren't huge voices, where I really liked it. Now, I didn't love that it was very poppy. Um, and, in fact, a lot of the music itself I didn't find to be all that spectacular, but I I did personally appreciate that it wasn't huge. I, I think that would have taken me out of the movie more than anything else. Um, and, actually... <laughs> I actually also did not find Ryan Gosling to be very charismatic at all. Um, I, I was kind of turned off by his... I, I think he kind of skates by with his charm. And it, it struck me as... It reminded me of the year... Do you know... Do you remember that year? This is an extreme example. But do you remember mm-hmm. the year that James Franco and Anne Hathaway hosted the Oscars? Oh, sweet Jesus, Yes. It reminded me of that because Emma Stone was working her ass off in this movie, and I thought she was really good. And Ryan Gosling had that, like, too cool for school thing going on. And yeah. he did learn to play piano, and I really applaud him for that because, again, he learned how to do that for this movie, and he played the hell out of that piano. He was really he good. But he did. the rest of his performance was just him trying to be Frank Sinatra, and I did not buy it. I didn't like it at all. Um, so, I don't know. I thought she was really good. Um, I liked the direction of the movie. I liked the yes. cinematography a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's best film of the year category for no. me. Um, it's, it's just sort of a weird film, right? Yes, it is. But it's just it's just weird. Like there are elements that work so beautifully, but then there are elements that are disjointed. But I think those elements are masked by the gorgeous look of the film. Mhm. And honestly, Emma Stone's performance. I agree I completely. She, I think she carries carries that film and also allows some of its weaker points to be swept under the rug. I do too. Because you walk out feeling so moved by her. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I think it's, I can see her winning best actress. I haven't seen Jackie, which is called, it's, it seems like it'll either be Emma Stone or Natalie Portman. And so I haven't seen Jackie, but I could see and would not have any, you know, complaints about Emma Stone getting the award because I think it's a great performance. Um, I, and do you know what else I love about her performance in, in terms of Oscars? You know, usually it's very flashy performances that win. Uh-huh. You know, pr- pr- prosthetics, weight gain, torture, <laughs> you know, right. for women. Um, yeah. And I feel like, and, and musicals obviously get, their fair, you know, their their due when, you know, Chicago, for instance, or Anne Hathaway right. and Les Mis, but those are also sort of those were big sort of flashy roles, 
And I don't feel like this is. And if she does win, it will be an instance where somebody honored a really subtle, nuanced, beautiful performance. And I would be very happy about that. Me too. My my favorite thing about her performance is it struck me as um, her her various auditions throughout the whole movie. I thought, especially (laughs) actually her first one, the one where she's doing an audition for disinterested casting directors and somebody shows up in the window behind her. You know that one? Yes. She was so good in that. And at the very end when she's auditioning, um, she's also really good. There's a little auditioning montage in the middle where she's fine, but it's, you know, that's Mm -hmm. not quite special. But it it reminded me of, have you ever seen the movie um, Mulholland Drive with Naomi Watts? Yes. Yes. Okay. There's, it's so strange. First of all, I love that movie. And I, that it's is a total, like, people love it or hate it. But there is about, I don't know, half an hour to an hour into the movie. The performances are so strange, and you don't know what to make of this movie. And then Naomi <laughs> Watts auditions for this movie, and she is so unreal in that audition scene. She's so <laughs> yeah. good that you're like, holy cow, what? Where did that come from? And this struck me as like shades of that, basically, where, yes. you know, it's, she, Emma Stone has been wonderfully funny in a lot of comedies, but like, she can also really act, and she oh, proved yeah. it in Birdman last year, too, but, you know, she's really got something, and, and to do something of this caliber, you know, really good for her, um, I don't know, I was just, the rest of the movie, I, to tell you the truth, I wasn't that excited to see it. But I think it might have been a case of, like, people just loved this movie. It's getting, you know, they, they may as well crown it best film of the year already. And so then there's this backlash against it from, from people like me who then go into the theater saying, prove it. And in some yeah. ways it did. In some ways it did. Because to tell you the truth, I liked it more than I thought I would. But mm-hmm. there are some things about it that I didn't love. And, um, yeah, so... I don't know. Like I say, I'm not sure that I think it should be best film of the year. Actually, you know what I was thinking about it? It, Because it probably will win. But you know how, actually, Chicago is a great example of this, or the movie Crash Mm -hmm. was a really good example of this, where it shows up all the time on these, can you believe this film won best picture instead of this (laughs) picture? (laughs) Right. I feel like, you know, flash forward 10 years, and this is going to be on those lists. And it's not because it's a bad movie. It should be, you know, one of the nine nominated. But it shouldn't be the one that wins. I don't think. I, I have to agree. I just, I, I do. Um, I, I think it should win Best Cinematography. I do, too. I very it's much beautiful. agree. beautiful. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and potentially category. Best Director. I know they I think usually so go hand in hand. And actually, I feel like... Um, if I were going to go through the categories right now, I think mm-hmm. I would actually, I'd go for a couple spoilers just because. I mean, first of all, there's nothing at stake, so it's easy to do it when you're not actually betting money. But <laughs> I actually think there is a chance that he, I don't remember what the guy's name is, Damien something, will win Best Director. Chazelle. Yeah, but, um, but Moonlight wins Best Picture. I think there's a oh. chance that that happens. I also think there's that a chance. That would be exciting. Uh, completely unrelated to what we're talking about, I also think there's a chance, and I'm really hoping that Denzel wins instead of Casey Oh, Affleck. Oh, me too. Hey, listen, the SAG Awards have called it I since know. 2005. And did you I hear was that like scream? screaming on my couch. I was so excited. Did you hear the <laughs> audible reaction in the room? Yes, it was amazing. Yeah. I didn't watch the awards ceremony, but I did watch that clip. And, um, yes, that's what I did as well. I saw p- pieces of the ceremony. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could tell. I Now, part of it has to do with the Casey Affleck controversy, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's a similar group of people voting. Remember that in, you know, uh, actors vote in the acting categories. Directors mm-hmm. vote in the directing categories. So it's other actors and, you know, who will be voting on this. And SAG Award is similar that way, I would not be surprised. And 
I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping I for just enough, want yeah. Denzel to win so badly. And it's so funny because I, I feel very strongly about it. And then I, I sort of laugh at how emotionally invested I am. But I am. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think those would be my prediction for upsets right now, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I, I do. I don't think we're going to get upsets in actress or supporting actress. I don't even know that we could say there would be an upset in supporting actor because that one could go a couple different ways and nobody would really be surprised. But who's nominated in Best Supporting Actor? Um, Mahashala Ali for Moonlight, who oh, I yeah. think probably will win. Um, Jeff Bridges so. could easily win for Hell or High Water. Yeah. Jeff um, Patel for Lion, who he just won the BAFTAs for Best Supporting Actor this weekend. I really yeah. want to see that. I haven't seen it yet, Lion. Yeah. Uh, Michael Shannon snuck in for Nocturnal Animals. That one would surprise me a little bit. I would love it. I really think he's great. Um, who is the other one? Who am I forgetting? I don't remember. Uh, I, don't remember. I don't remember who the other one is. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty good rundown, though. I'm impressed. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, La La Land is up for what? 11? 14? 11. Uh it, I think it, it tied, tied Titanic for 11. Oh, okay. It tied Titanic and All About Eve. Um, yes. I thought it was 14. Maybe it's 14. I think you're probably right. It, it or is was, that how many Oscar nominations Meryl Streep has? No, she's got 20 Oscar noms. She's way yeah, above she 14. Now. Wow. <laughs> um, no, but uh, that's the thing is, you know, La La Land, if it breaks that record, you know, that's the other thing that I'm like, I, we can't give them all to La La Land. It, it can't be that movie. It's not, whether you agree that it's the, the best movie of the year, fine. If it wins, it's not going to break my heart. But to put it on the pedestal of the all-time most awarded Oscar movie, because it has the possibility of doing that, um, yeah. that, that doesn't seem right to me. So I don't know. We'll see how it all shakes out. It, it's also kind of interesting that had the film had even one decent supporting actor or actress in it, you know, had it had a little mm-hmm. room for somebody, that would have been an easy nomination for it, you know? Yeah. Um, it needed some more fleshed-out characters that yeah. were fleshed out, but nobody beyond that. So, I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, we've spent too much time on La La Land. Let's get back to Florence Foster Jenkins. Well, well, speaking of supporting characters, going back mm-hmm. to Florence Foster Jenkins, um, the the crazy bleach blonde. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nina Arianda is the actress who plays her. She she's a she's a naysayer. She goes to she's a supporting character that goes to one of. Florence Foster Jenkins concerts and um, laugh so hard they kick her out and and by the end she's su- supporting her completely but right. um, I, yeah. that actress I adore she's a I Tony winner oh is she really she is she won for uh, uh, Venus in Fur with Hugh Dancy interesting. Which she's, I haven't, I obviously didn't see the whole thing. I did see clips of it, and she's phenomenal. She's very charismatic. She's wonderful. She's not very well known in the film world. Um, what performances she has given for film are wonderful, but I, I'm hoping that she continues to sort of become yeah. a more familiar face to people. She was great in the movie. So was, well, it was a very small part, but Rebecca Ferguson, too. It was, yes. I kind of kept forgetting that she was in it, but um, she is, and she's good. Like I say, it's it's not a totally fleshed out role, but um, mm. she's always good. I think she's another one to kind of keep, keep her eye on. Everybody was good in this. There wasn't, I mean, you know, there really wasn't anybody who was bad, who was bad in this. There was nobody who took you out, or took me out of it, I should say. I shouldn't speak for other people, no. but... There is nobody, you know, it's a period piece. This movie takes place, or you know, right before and in the very start of World War II. You know, it takes place mostly in the early 40s. I think it probably, when it starts, it's maybe in the late 30s. It kind of is hard to tell how, you know, how long a period of time this all takes place over, but right. not that long, just a couple of years at most. And um, so, you know, it's a period piece, but there's nothing about it that, strikes me anyway as being kind of strange by today's standards or anything. It it, it works and um, it's believable as a as a period piece. 
Um, it's also the second movie in a row where Meryl Streep has chrysalis. Uh, we're, we've gotten on a weird <laughs> I did think about that when we watched it. I was like, oh, God. Uh, poor Meryl Streep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's just a really well-done film. I I don't know. I don't have all that much else to say about it. I just think it's really well mm-hmm. done. Did you have – I already kind of talked about some of my favorite scenes. Did you have any other particular favorite ones? No, I mean the first that first scene when she starts singing. I love the vocal coach, and I, mm-hmm. I can't remember that actor's name, but he he's just he's so charming, and and you know he ends up being such sort of an awful person, but still has that total charm. And then Simon Helberg's face, obviously, um, and oh gosh, I can't pick one because they're everyone is so brilliant, and I. Um, I think I'm with you that I, 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 well, I really love the scene where she goes to the pianist's apartment, to Simon Helberg's apartment. That's a great and, one. Um, yeah, when she finishes up saying how much she misses her husband when he goes on these trips and she knows he needs them, but um, it's, it's sort of heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. And the ending is pretty heartbreaking, too. Um, I love the ending. Um, I thought it was Love so it. Um, so this was up for a couple BAFTAs this weekend. It was a Meryl was up for leading actress, which Emma Stone won. Uh, Hugh Grant was up for best supporting actor, which Dev Patel won. It was up for best costume design, which I think it might be again for the Oscars, but it won a, a BAFTA last night it, or Saturday night. It won best makeup and hair. Oh, so, yeah, there you go. So that that uh, doesn't surprise me actually, given I mean they really. Yeah. The way they the way they did her her hair and makeup was pretty phenomenal. Yeah, so it is because they two. could have made her look like a caricature, and I think that's oh, part yeah. of the reason why I felt like that's what I was going to see from the previews, and mm-hmm. they really they really didn't. Yeah, I agree. Um, so it's up for two Oscars, Meryl for Best Actress in a Leading Role, and it is up for Best Achievement in Costume Design by Consolata Boyle. Um, so. Hmm. Keep an eye on that. I think she has a chance in that La La Land might win that one too, I suppose. But um, yeah. I don't know. I think Florence Foster Jenkins has the tougher costumes <laughs> than La La Land, but right. it is what it is. So would you say this is essential, Meryl? Would you put this on the list of, you know, if you if if somebody was looking for a 10-film starter pack, is this essential, Meryl? A 10-film starter pack? Oh, no, no, and she's she's really brilliant in it. I think, yeah, it doesn't. No, I'm not going to put it in a in a in a ten essential starter pack. But mm. it's a brilliant performance by her, and it is. Um, I you know, if she by some bizarro chance won the Oscar. I wouldn't be up in arms about it because she really is that wonderful in it. Yeah, um, oh, I think so. it's not you know it's not her it's not her time this year. Right, I think she yeah. knows that too. Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's kind of funny. Did you watch many interviews with her about this? No, I didn't. I I watched quite a few, and it was. I don't feel like interviewers know how to talk to her. It, it's kind no, of probably not. It's kind of frustrating, and I can understand it to a certain extent, but people really, at least in the, I guess this was also a lighthearted one, so it was, you know, like you kind of ask fluff questions, I don't know. But I didn't really find it to be particularly interesting questions that were being asked of her. It was kind of the same kind of stuff over and over. But the one show that kind of gets everybody to really loosen up in a great way, you've you've referenced it before, was the Graham Norton show. Oh, I have seen that interview, yes. With 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 her and Hugh Grant together, and yes, it's um, wonderful. there are a couple other interviews with them together, and it's funny because he kept and I think this came out in the Graham Norton interview in particular, where he, you know, as you referenced in another episode when we talked about Hugh Grant, where he kind of he's mostly retired at this point, but he'll come out and do like a movie every year or two, basically as either a favor for somebody or just you know he's kind of interested in the material. So, um, right. He uh, he he kept asking Meryl, or he said, you know, I've wanted to ask you something. 
and I've been too shy. He said, <laughs> he said, I wanted to ask if you're nervous. And she, she like, you know, smacked him a little and said, you ask me that every day. <laughs> and they talked about that in other interviews too, where, you know, she, where she would say, well, he kept asking me if I was nervous. And, um, she said that she was nervous for this in, in some ways, in particular the scenes in front of large groups of extras where she had to sing, um, Oh, particularly yeah. the the Carnegie Hall scene, which was I found kind of interesting because um, from the sounds of it, it made it sound as if it had been shot at Carnegie Hall, and it might have been, but um, most of the stuff that I could find made it sound as if it, everything was shot in London. And I think I right. even saw one where they said, now this, this isn't London either, so I don't know why they would have done this, but I did see one where it said that they shot in the Apollo Theater, or maybe it was the Apollo in London, because I'm sure there's more than one Apollo Theater. I was thinking of the one in New York, but um, where they oh. shot in the Apollo Theater, and that was their version of Carnegie Hall. So okay. I don't know, but from the sounds of it, it made they made it kind of sound as if they'd actually shot at Carnegie Hall. I guess it doesn't yeah, really matter, know, but... Well, there was an exterior shot, too, where they were coming out of... She was living in the plaza? Am, am I in the in the film? Yeah. Is that... I yeah. So. Well, she's coming out of there in the architecture. I'm like, that doesn't quite <laughs> look like New York. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just a little off. <laughs> yeah, and you could go with uh, what they were probably hoping, if, if that's the case, was, well, you know, it was also 1940s, so people right. didn't look exactly the same now, of course. But, um, yeah, I guess that's one thing we, somebody will maybe let us know. But, um, I was kind of curious yeah. about that. But I it. I think they shot this in London, at least most yeah. of it. So. That's what the architecture looked like and, like, that, ex- you know, the few exterior scenes. Yeah. So I guess that's how they got Hugh Grant to do it because he lives there. And I'm sure Stephen Frears lives there. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I kind of wonder if they made it sound as though, um, you know, Hugh Grant was always the guy. Which is kind of interesting because he, again, he was really good in this movie. I'm not, I don't mean to take anything away from him. But before this movie, he would not have been the person I would have thought of for this role at all. So it's kind of interesting, yeah. not only that he got the part, but that he kind of got the part even while maybe resisting it to a certain degree, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, well, and also, and I, I don't know, I don't know what the, I don't know what the age difference was between them in real life, but I think you can't you can't really tell. But there's about a decade between them. Yeah. Hugh Grant's about ten years younger than Meryl Streep. I, I think they're well paired. I um, do too. But I think yeah, I thought it was really interesting that that was if he was the guy that he was the guy in their heads from the get go. That's not usually how Hollywood goes. Right, it's kind of the opposite um, of how it goes. Yeah, exactly. And so that may be, uh, you know, um, that may reflect very, you know, on on Stephen Frears. Yeah. Well, I just looked it up, and uh, yeah, you're exactly right. Actually, there's a ten, maybe ten and a half year difference between Meryl Streep and Hugh Grant. But you know what? I'm glad it went the way it did because there are too many movies too. where it's exactly the opposite, where the you know the woman is ten, twenty years younger. It's good that uh-huh. you know, for once it went the other way. Um, that's a good thing. Uh, how about more of that, maybe? But it, well, you know. and you know what? It doesn't. I mean, it, it's ultimately it ultimately doesn't matter. I mean, this comes to mind. It's very very random for me to bring it up right now, but. Um, if you've seen the family stone. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like the casting in that film is, is really sort of inspired because when you look at the age range of the characters versus the age range of the actors they cast, um, it, it shouldn't work at all. I mean, Dermot Mulroney was what in his late forties when he was playing basically somebody who was supposed to be in their early thirties at best. I don't really remember but, it all that well. Who is the dad in that? I know it's Diane Keaton. Who plays the dad? Um, Craig T. Nelson. That's who I thought it was, but that didn't sound right yeah. at all to me. Okay. Yeah. And everyone in it is really wonderful and, and so well cast and, and, and does a great job. But it, it, I've always noticed that about it, that the casting was sort of inspired because they let go of, you know, preconceived notions of people's age. Right. 
yeah, sometimes it's distracting, but people like, you know, people like, you know, the example, German Mulroney, like it kind of is one of those things where, yeah, who, you know, like he's hard to get like worked up about because he's, he's also somebody who like you, you go, oh, I believe that. I believe that he's this age, you know, within a range of oh, 10 yeah. years, I would believe it. So, you know, that's yeah. the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the gift of, of well, obviously genetics, but good actors, yeah. <laughs> you know, you have a good actor who's playing a part, right? A wrinkle on their face is not going to matter because you're going to believe they're that age. I mean, look at everybody casting Jennifer Lawrence as somebody a, a decade, two decades older than she actually is. Mm-hmm. They do it quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. yeah, so I think this was this was a good one. I'm, I'm glad we, we did it. It's, uh, like you say, it, it could be, um, it could be in line to win some awards, and that would be a good thing. It's a, it's a good movie. It's a, overall just well done. We both kind of didn't know how much we were going to have to say about it besides it's just good, and people should go see it. <laughs> right. So, shall we move on to our other two segments? Yes, let's do it. Cool. So, which would you rather do first? Do you want to do Six Degrees or Movies Meryl was almost in? Let's do Six Degrees. Okay. So, the ones we did last time, you had the completely out of left field, but I liked it, (laughs) idea to do Kim Kardashian. So, did you come up with that? Yeah, which I thought would be hard. Okay, so I couldn't off the top of my head, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I couldn't either. I was just, this is sort of relevant. I was just watching Graham Norton, which we were just talking about. I was watching clips, and there was an interview with Seth Rogen, and he and James Franco had done um, a parody of one of um, Kanye West's music videos with oh. Kim Kardashian. And he said, he's like, I like Kim. I mean, she's really, she she's a nice person. I mean, I don't exactly have a body of work to reference. Right. And that's sort of what I feel like right now. I don't, I mean, our rule was they have to have been in a film. I couldn't even think of a film Kim had been in, so I had to get on IMDb. Yeah. And, um, well, it's television. But she she was in an episode of 30 Rock, it appears. Yeah. A live so connection. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So, yeah, do you watch 30 Rock? Um, yeah, well, I, I binged watched it on Netflix. Oh, okay. <laughs> Because at one point, Meryl Streep and Tina Fey were going to do a movie together. I don't know what happened to it. It's not, it's not been a thing for oh, quite a while now. But, like, yeah, right, right around the time of 30 Rock later seasons, there was a thing that's something. I can't remember what even the plot was, but Meryl was going to play her mom or something. And it just it kind of never went anywhere. But, yes, I remember because I think... I remember the cameo because it was one of the live shows that they did, and she was only on, you know, they did a, they did it like Saturday Night Live where they did a version for the East Coast and then another one for the West Coast. And she was actually Got only it. in one of those, and then they must have okay. cut it for the other one. The West but, Coast version. Right. But then we have the, the DVDs of the seasons, and they put both versions on there. So I have seen it. I remember her being on okay. it. But like you said, I don't remember. she was only on one of the versions. So she, may not, she might not even be on the one that's up on Netflix is what I'm saying. She might not even yeah. – it might have been the other one that's up. But um, So, yeah, the connection there, of course, is Alec Baldwin, who is in um, – it's complicated with Meryl Streep. complicated. Yep. You thought of a, you thought of another one. Give them the other one, the other show that Kim Kardashian guested on. Apparently, she was a guest star on CSI New York, and so I, I pitched a connection via Gary Sinise, but I don't think we ever worked it out. You I've know, got Gary, one. <laughs> okay. I've got one. Go for it. Because he was in Snake Eyes with Nicolas Cage, who was in uh, Adaptation. Um, Do you remember awesome. Snake Eyes? There you go. Yes, but I don't. I don't think I ever. Uh, is there a boxing match in Snake Eyes? Yeah, yeah. The oh boxing God. takes place in an arena. <laughs> I think I may have seen arena. it, but it's left my brain. Yeah, no, it is one of those movies. I saw it in the theater and then like completely forgot about it for years. And then you know, it's one that I actually kind of go back to every once in a while now. It's a really interesting movie. It's most notable for it has a really, really long tracking shot in the very beginning. It's 
a scene, it actually does have a couple edits in it, but the way it's filmed, it's made to look like it's one long shot that goes for like 15 minutes out of the first movie. Uh, or the first wow. the first 15 minutes of the movie is one long shot. It actually isn't. There are like two edits in it that you can see if you really, really pay attention. But that's one of the things that, you know, everybody was commenting on when the film came about was just this kind of really amazing sequence in the very beginning. It goes wow. off a it goes up the rails a little bit in the third, third act. <laughs> Some of those remember. Nicholas Cage late night <laughs> well. movies had a tendency to do that. No. Um, yeah. No, I love them. <laughs> I love them, but they went on the rails. Um, the other connection, or the other actor that we had, who was the other actor? I keep forgetting these. Who, who did I recognize? Uh, Meg Ryan. Yes. Oh, yes, Meg Ryan. And you had one. Do you remember the one that you said off the top of your head yes. last time? She did French Kiss with Kevin Klein, who was in Sophie's Choice with Meryl. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a good one. I thought of a couple others. Um, mm-hmm. Meg Ryan was in Hanging Up with both Diane Keaton, who was in Marvin's oh, Room yeah. with Meryl Streep, and Lisa Kudrow, who Meryl did a couple episodes of her TV show, Web Therapy. So she was in... Did she? Oh, yeah, she did. She did it back when it was just a web show, and then when Lisa Kudrow sold it to Showtime, Meryl Streep also did several episodes then. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I saw the I saw the pilot, and it was great, and I got yeah. distracted and did not continue watching, which is unfortunate because Lisa Kudrow is amazing. Lisa Kudrow is really good, and um, she also managed to get really great. It's not just Meryl Streep on that show; Lily Tomlin's on it. She gets really good guest stars on that show, actually. Oh. Um, but but I, I heard Lisa Kudrow talk about it one time, and um, she's a Vassar grad, so is Meryl. So they were actually at some oh. Vassar event, and Meryl came up to Lisa Kudrow and said, I really like your show. And so, you know, she said, well, I was trying to figure out, like, could I ask her to be on it? And she said she just kind of did, thinking nothing would come of it. And lo and behold, she agreed to do it, and she's on multiple episodes. She's on wow. several. That's awesome. Yes. She plays a um, a therapist who does gay conversion therapy. So it's kind of <laughs> a controversial. I mean, it's all for, for jokes, you know, but she plays like right. a Joe Bachman-like kind of person. Right. So, um, right. Yeah. So that was one. The other one I thought of with Meg Ryan was uh, she was in um, When Harry Met Sophie with Carrie Fisher. And the postcards from the edge oh, yeah. connection there. So. Yes. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Carrie Fisher connections, I think. Um, yeah. So who who who's our next? Who do we decide on for our next six degrees? You you pick oh, somebody, and I I did blank. Um, this may not be a great one, but nobody's coming to mind off the top of my head. So we're gonna uh, in terms of possible connections. So we're gonna go with Shailene Woodley. Um, the thought Ooh. is she's. She's kind of young, so she hasn't been in a ton of movies. Um, and um, since Big Little Lies hasn't come out yet, that one doesn't count because Nicole Kidman. Okay, I was going to say, wait a second. Yeah, that one doesn't count, okay. but something besides that that she's done, and we'll see. Um, yeah, so we'll go with that one. We're we're doing just one this week, and that's the way it is. Um so and then our last segment is the movies Meryl was almost in. Um, so this week we're going to go with, let's see, I'm looking at a few options here. She was, uh, she auditioned for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Did she really? According to the internet, she said. <laughs> Have she and Spielberg ever worked together? Sort of. Um, Meryl did a voice. Um, for the movie AI, oh, right? Yeah, so that's that's, that's really, as much. That's really it, huh? Yeah, that's right. and that kind of barely counts. You would think that they would have worked together at some point, but no. Actually, a lot of the like really iconic directors she hasn't worked with. You know, like she's never worked with Scorsese. She's never worked with. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of great directors that she. That's because those iconic directors don't tend to tell stories with strong female characters. Oh, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm not saying I'm surprised by it. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think yeah, it I think doesn't Spielberg, surprise me now that you say that. I think Spielberg's better about that than Scorsese is, but still not oh, quite. Yeah. 
Um, no. Yeah. So I don't know. She's you know she's she's done consistent work and with other directors and she's done just yeah. fine. She doesn't. And is still considered the greatest actress in the world. Yeah. Fancy so. Um, <laughs> the other one that she uh, did was. Um, she was going to be in a movie called Cutthroat Island, which was, I think, comedy that eventually starred Gina Davis. No. I don't know that movie. She was not. You've never seen it? Cutthroat I've not Island seen is that. the best, worst movie ever. Is it really? <laughs> so, oh, it's so bad. It's. I mean, I saw it. I remember seeing it in the movie theater. Really? I'm fairly certain I did. Yeah, Gina Davis and Matthew Modine. And it is like a traditional pirate adventure movie oh, wow. and it's ridiculous and it's very dated. Wow. And I I can't I can't recommend it enough. <laughs> I'm looking at okay, I'm looking at a thing right now. So first of all, Meryl didn't do it because she uh she was she got busy doing Bridges of Madison County. So she's the only other actress listed, but there's a list of a bunch of guys here who almost played the Matthew Modine part. Which includes Jeff Bridges, Michael Douglas, Ralph Fiennes, or Ray Fiennes, I should say, Michael what? Keaton, <laughs> Michael Keaton, Liam Neeson, Oliver Reed. These last two are gonna kill you. Keanu Reeves and and Charlie Sheen. So I uh, this must wow. be a movie. Wouldn't that you, be something? You know to what? See? You've got to see it so that you can understand how ridiculous a thought it is that Liam Neeson and Meryl Streep might have been in it. Well, actually, what I was just going to say, can you like that doesn't seem weird. First of all, they have been in a movie together. But like the idea of right. Meryl Streep opposite Charlie Sheen, or <laughs> or Meryl Streep opposite Keanu Reeves, or or for that matter, Matthew Modine. You know, uh, that would have been yeah something unique to but anyway yeah. so, so special i do one more thing before we before we uh sign off for the night uh, i they finally released some plot information about the new mary poppins movie i saw that they started filming it. that yeah okay go yeah. ahead i haven't heard i haven't read anything else besides it so i think it's depression era london and jane and michael are grown up and um, uh, Emily Blunt obviously plays Mary Poppins, and um, I can't, it doesn't say what, but something happens to Michael and his family, and Mary Poppins reemerges to sort of help them through it. And Meryl Streep is playing uh, Mary Poppins, how did they word it? Quirky, quirky, or eccentric cousin Topsy. Her character's name is Topsy. So, uh, do we think that? Yeah. Do you have any guesses whether do you feel like that's going to be a big role or is this kind of just a an extended cameo kind of thing? What do you think? I don't know. It may be like um, there's a possibility. It's like the um, oh, and now I can't remember the character's name in the actual Mary Poppins, which is terrible of me. The, the you know the uncle who laughs. Oh sure. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, it could yeah, be like that, like an extended, like an extended cameo, like that. But yeah. I'm, I'm guessing the way she's included, that it's a little more extensive than that. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, I hope so. Um, it kind of, I kind of found myself wondering that. I saw again that they were that they had started filming. I think it said even in the headline. I didn't even read the article, but the headline said something about. Emily Blunt and a couple other people started filming. So it made it sound as if, you know, they hadn't all started, which, of course, is the way movies work. That doesn't necessarily right. mean anything. But um, it struck me as, like, you know, Meryl's front and center on the on the cover for The Giver, too, but she's not in very much of that movie either. So it kind of, it, right. it's one of those situations where you go, well, maybe this isn't really User so face, user that. name. What? User face and name to advertise the film. Right, yeah. Yeah, actually, they they shouldn't have a hard time with the cast that they've got. Or, I mean, it's no. just power in numbers, if nothing else. But um, right, they've got uh, an icon ready cast there. So yeah, that'll be good. Either way, I'm sure it'll be well done. So it, whether it's yeah. a small part or a little part, or a small part or a little part, I love that. We can tell <laughs> it's getting late. Uh, small part or a big part, you know, it'll be good. I'm sure. So. 
Well, so the next thing, the next episode that we do might be on She-Devil, depends upon some circumstances, or it might be um, our first foray into talking about the career of another person. Cool. Well, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Please rate and review and send us thoughts on this. You can email us at Joni. God, it is getting really late. Uh, it's an email. <laughs> you can, I almost said my other podcast. You can email me at Joni Mitchell Podcast. Uh, you can email us at Meryl Street Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know whatever you're thinking about. Try to keep it relatively involved in Meryl. Don't just send us your grocery list. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. Anything else, Meryl? No. Okay. Cool. I think it's time to say goodnight. It is. Well, thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, guys. Cool.